Hey, welcome to the Kingdom Church Podcast. We're so glad you could join us. You're listening to part three of our series, Soul Care. Whatever you're doing, wherever you are, sit back, relax. Here it is. I'm doing something I've never done before. I'm reading and taking us through the exact same text as last week. I wanted to leave, but the Lord wasn't quite done there. So Romans chapter 6, verse 11 says, In the same way, count yourself dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so to obey its evil desire. On the contrary, nope, verse 13, do not offer, you think after two weeks I get it, nope. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourself to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. I want to call this message Healthy Disciplines. Healthy Disciplines. Come on, let's clap our hands one more time and you guys can find your seat today. So glad that you could be here. Every person in the building, every single one that is watching online, so happy that you're here today. My name is Harrison, and I'm just pumped that you guys joined us here at 9.30 today. And if you're watching online, I guess it could be any time. So we are in the third part of our series called Soul Care. Can you guys make some noise if you've been here for any part of our series? Come on. And can we get a little light on this situation? Because I would love for you guys to take some notes today. Amazing, amazing, amazing. So glad to see y'all. There's your faces. You guys doing good? Amazing. So what we are doing in this series is we are getting our souls healthy. That's what this series is all about. And uh, I want to encourage you because we are in the same text as last week, which means there is some things that I'm going to draw on from last week. So if you missed it, Guess what? You're in luck. You can go online. You can watch it on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, wherever you get your podcasts, and you can catch up. Uh, But for those of us who were in the room last week, uh, it was one of those weeks where, like, there was moments where you could hear a pin drop. You guys were here last week. Remember that? And, like, it wasn't, I don't think, because it was boring. I hope not. But I really think that the Holy Spirit was just doing a work. And I felt like there was a stirring in our souls. And so uh, a part of that stirring is kind of why I think that God wants us to to come back here because we're not quite done yet. But last week what we did is we identified three lies that all of us at some point in our life have probably struggled with, which was the performance lie, the people-pleasing lie, and the control lie. Now, if you guys were here last week, I used my basement flood as an analogy. And what I said, I said, last summer my basement flooded and so we had to get rid of all the water. And the water in the illustration was kind of like our life issues and our life problems. And what happens is a lot of us will get rid of the most immediate or urgent things in our life, but we'll never get down to the deeper issues. You guys remember that? And so we said, if we never get down to the surface issues, we'll always have leaks, right? We said, Jesus is our sump pump. You guys remember that? What an illustration. I realized this week, like five months ago, I didn't know what a sump pump was. So if you guys don't know what it is, that's okay. Look it up when you get home. I don't got time. But uh, point being, 
what we said is if we only identify our issues at a surface level, meaning just I'm going to attack behaviors and habits, we'll never get freedom because we'll never get down to the root of our issues. And so last week we got down to the foundations. And again, I gave you guys some Holy Spirit homework. You remember that? Holy Spirit homework. At home, just say, Holy Spirit, what are some lies that I'm believing? And so encourage you, just listen, if you missed that message, go check it out. That's as much as I can say about it. However, as we went deep last week, what I do want to do is I want to begin to build our way back up. Because it's great to get deep, but we have to get back to the surface at some point. And so last week's message, I think, was really like to get down to the surface, especially for those of us that struggle to go deeper, right? I would say like if you're a type A personality, you probably struggle to get deeper, right? Like you're someone like, just give me five things to do, give me a list and I'll be good. Then I'll be healed. Now, type A people, guess what? Today I got some steps and lists, so you're gonna be really happy. For the feeler, you're probably someone that doesn't necessarily have difficulties getting deep. Like, you, you know what your soul is saying. You can get to those places. You've been in those places. But a lot of times what can happen is that you can go to those places. However, you don't make your way back up. And so what this message is today, again, it's a way for us, I think, to put some practical disciplines in our life in order that we experience freedom. So whether you heard the message last week or not, doesn't really matter. All of us in our life have issues. Come on, you messed up, I'm a little messed up. And God wants us to be healthy, God wants us to be whole, and above all, he wants us to experience freedom. And so today, I'm gonna give us some disciplines that are gonna help us experience freedom. You guys good? All right, let's do this. So Romans chapter six, and I love this, same passage of scripture. In fact, I kind of have some of the same points, but the beauty of scripture, it's alive and active meaning that we can take different things in different times because that's just how amazing scripture is. So, verse 13, Paul is the one who wrote this. He says, do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God. Now, the language in this, and this is what I want us to see, especially as we talk about disciplines, like what do I do on my way up? Paul is very specific that he uses active language. He says, do not offer any part of yourself to sin. That's active, right? Offer is to give. It's not take, it's, it's given. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin. In the same sense, though, once again, active language, he says, instead, offer yourselves to God. So here's what I want us to understand. Wickedness and righteousness Two opposite ends of the spectrum, they don't happen by accident. They don't happen by accident. It is an active process. You are either righteous or wicked based on the steps and the way in which we live our lives. Is that making sense? So you guys all know this. In life, there are two types of people that we surround ourselves with. There are life-giving people and life-taking people. Now, if you're here today, hopefully you're not a life-taking person. Come on, somebody. But a life-giving person, you guys have all been around them. 
All you have to do is be in their presence. They don't even have to say anything, but you leave feeling better. You guys know those people? Where it's like, man, these people give me life. Then there's the other end of the spectrum where you're around certain people and every single conversation you leave and you feel like you are emotionally, physically, spiritually exhausted. Like, I need a nap. (laughs) Those are life-taking people. And a lot of times, whether it's life-taking or life-giving, we can leave certain places and be like, man, let's, let's talk about the positive. Like, man, those people are just so nice. Those people are just so full of love. Like, I wish I could be like that. But they must just be born that way. It must just be their personality type. But what Paul is letting us know is that the truth is, it is from a series of decisions that we make over a lifetime that lets us know whether my life will be life-giving or life-taking. Jesus puts it like this. He says, a good man brings out good things from the good, it's a lot of good, stored up in his heart. Look at this. An evil man brings things out of the evil things stored up in his heart. I love this verse. Memorize it. It's super easy. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. So, This is for all of us. When something comes out of us, especially in the negative, right? Like, I just, I don't know why I've got a potty mouth lately. Like, I'm just swearing. I don't know. Where is it coming from? Like, nothing happens by accident. What Jesus is saying, he's saying everything that comes out of our mouths is only as a result of what is happening in our hearts. Are you guys following? And so, last week, What I wanted us to do is I wanted us to dig deep and figure out what has been percolating in our hearts. What are some of the lies that we have been believing? What are some of the stories that we've been telling ourselves that have formed the way we think and the way we view the world? Because what Jesus is saying, he's saying whatever is in there, whatever is down there, it's not staying down there. A lot of us have this idea like, well, time will heal my wounds. Or I'll just, I'm just going to forget it. I'm going to move on. The truth is, we are not built that way. Our hearts and our mouths are connected. What's inside of me is coming out. But I love the language of Paul once again in Romans chapter 6. He says, do not offer any part of yourself as an instrument of wickedness, but rather... Offer yourself to God as those who've been brought from death to life and offer, look at this, every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. You see, here's where I want to go today. Especially, and I use this big word in the first week of our series, sanctification. In the process of God sanctifying, cleansing us, making us whole, a lot of times we view it as something that is passive, right? Right? Like, I just got to sit back if I say my prayers, and if I come to church, God will make me a better person. But I love the language of Scripture because it's quite the opposite. It is not passive, it is active. If I want my heart to change, I have to do something that is active. So here's the step, and we had this step last week when it came to the deeper parts of ourselves. But I love that language. It says, offer every part of yourself. So if I want to experience life change... If I want to experience transformation, redemption in my heart, I have to give it to God. Give what? Everything. I have to give it to him. And I want to speak on this because I want to help some of our prayers. 
Because I think, especially if it's like a bad habit or a sinful habit, because you need to understand this. When we find out what's going on in our hearts and in the lies in which we believe, the lies that we believe will come out of us in our behavior, in our habits. And a lot of times the prayers that we pray are simply this. God, take it away. You guys know what I'm saying? Maybe the issue is lust. God, take it away. I don't want to have this anymore. Maybe it's anger. God, take it away. Maybe it's pride. God, take it away. And maybe this is just linguistics, but I think there's a small difference between God, take it away, and God, I'm giving this to you. Because one is passive and one is active. And the language that Paul is using in Scripture is active language. And I believe the beautiful thing is this. Anything that you give to God, literally anything, God can redeem it and turn it for good. Now, if it's really bad and really sinful, it's not going to look anything like it looked like. But God's going to find something. But I was just thinking this week about someone that's struggling with pride. Anyone ever struggled with pride before? I was just thinking about the coolest thing is like, because it's easy to pray, God, take away my pride. Just take it away. But what if instead we began to pray, God, here it is. Do something with it. And I just happen to believe God can take something as, and you read scripture, God does not like pride. You're prideful? Read the Bible. <laughs> I say that because like, I struggle sometimes. But when you give it to God, he has this way of redeeming it and turn it into good. And I just began to believe for someone struggling with pride, God can take that pride and he can turn it into a God confidence. And a God confidence, if I walk around with that, Lord have mercy, you do not know, because no eye has seen, man, just what God has in store for us. But I have to give it to him. I have to give it to him. I'll, I'll tell you guys a story, and that, here, here's a more personal one. Last week, I had the privilege and the honor um, of being prayed for by Beth, who's in the front row. And she prayed for me today as well, again. Uh, and Beth was, was praying for me last week, and she just said, uh, Lord, I just thank you for uh, the humor that you've given Harrison and for how he uses it for you. And, like, I say this with the utmost respect. Like, Beth is just a little bit older than me. Late 40s at most. But I thought to myself, like, if Beth thinks I'm funny, who's, like, a little bit older than me, I must be really funny. Because, <laughs> like, Beth thinks I'm funny. But, but it was funny. In, in, in the language, she said, God, I just thank you that he uses it for you. And, like, you need to understand, I am funny. Come on, somebody. <laughs> and when it comes to, like, sermons and whatnot, uh, I do sometimes use humor. But I can't sit here and tell you that I always use my humor for good. Because sometimes it's just too easy. And people set themselves up. So I'm not going to lie, from the moment, because humor and jokes and things like that, it's, it's kind of natural. It's not hard for me to 
for it to come out. So when I began to preach and use it for good, that didn't automatically take away the times I use it for bad. And so it's a battle. Someone say, it's a battle. But here's the thing. I'm never going to pray, God, take away my humor. God, take away my wit and my charm and good looks. Why would I ever pray that? <laughs> I got to stay in the word today. Um, look, what, look what Romans chapter 8 says. It says, those who live according to the flesh. If you guys remember, flesh is our natural inclination. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. Look at this part, though. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law. In fact, it can't. Jesus puts it a little bit similar. He says, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And so every single day, you need to understand whatever your thing is, there's a part of you known as the flesh, your natural inclination that wants to feed it. Your flesh wants to be fed. It wants to have control. And so what we need to do then is understand that if there is something inside of me that wants a little bit control, all I can do then is cut it off. You see, the language of Scripture, especially if you read the New Testament, there's no language of God, take away my flesh. God, get rid of my flesh. Listen, I, I love y'all. Like, you can talk to your flesh right now. He's going to be there till the day that you die. It just exists. The language of Scripture is not get rid of the flesh, but it's starve the flesh. It's don't feed it because instead I need to feed my spirit because the more I feed my spirit, the less my flesh will have a voice in my life. In other words, what I feed is what's going to grow. And there are some people in your life, you're going to be like, I don't even think they deal with the flesh. Like, I don't think they struggle. And truth be told, they might not really. Because for years and years and years, it's kind of like compound interest. They've been feeding their spirit instead. And the more I feed my spirit, as Jesus says, what the heart is full of, the mouth speaks. And so as I feed my spirit, my mouth, it comes out. But if I feed my flesh, it comes out. And so when it comes to, to jokes, <laughs> back to the joke I made, I do not pray, God, take away my sense of humor. Instead, I say, God, this is yours. May it be used for your glory. And in moments when someone sets themselves up so perfectly, but I could destroy them, I have to starve the flesh. You have to. And y'all, you think I'm funny now. You didn't meet me in 2011. <laughs> but it's a process of starving the flesh day after day, day after day, and say, God, give what, use what you have given me for your glory. I want to help someone with lust because I think it's the same thing. A lot of times, and trust me, I've been there. God, just take away my lust. Just get rid of it. Make it gone. You guys ever prayed that? Pray you don't have to raise your hand. And the weirdest thing happens, it shows up the next day. And the next day, and the next day, and it's there. Because when you really boil it down, 
what you're asking God to do is this. God, take away my sexual desire. Now, that might sound good for a season, but I can tell you, if you're married, you certainly do not God, want God to take away your sexual desire. Because it's a gift from God. And so a lot of times we're just praying the wrong prayers, asking God to take things away when instead we need to give it to him. And especially, and, and I'm going to do a whole message, don't worry, on sex, relationships, but all that stuff we talked about last week about getting down to the surface, I can tell you there's freedom in there, especially when it comes to our sexuality. But as we make our way up, there's still disciplines, and there's still things that we have to do to starve the flesh and feed the spirit. Is that making sense? It's being active. In the case of lust, listen, you struggle with lust, you're gonna have to delete some things. Delete Instagram, might not be helping. Delete TikTok, I know it's not helping. Get blockers on your computer, limit screen time, whatever it is, you have to put practices in place. It's not enough to go deep and say, oh wow, I found the solution to why I am the way I am, and leave it. No, now, I starve the flesh. Now, some of us are saying, Harrison, I delete Instagram. I love connection. Matthew 18, this is Jesus again. He says, if your hand or your foot causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It's better for you to enter life crippled or lame than to have two hands and two feet and be thrown into the eternal fire. If your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out, throw it away. It's better for you to enter life with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into the fires of hell. You're like, who's that judgmental preacher? Jesus. <laughs> I only follow Jesus. Okay. Matthew 18. But here's a good thing. You don't have to pluck your eyes out or cut your hands off today. But there might be some things in your life you got to get rid of. That's a discipline. Right? Like, and again, depending on your personality, you might like disciplines, but like if it's just you're a more emotional person, like I'm just going to pray through this. No, there's some active steps as well. So again, Romans 6, I told you it's rich. We're getting everything from there. He says, do not offer any part of yourself as an instrument of wickedness, but rather to God as those who've been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument. I love that, as a tool of righteousness. So here's a simple question. What am I giving myself to? That's the question I'm going to ask today. What am I giving myself to? In other words, what am I building? What am I feeding? Am I feeding my flesh or my spirit? You see, as people, our issue is that we often give ourselves to the wrong things. You see, we make it sound like I'm just not dedicated. I'm just not good at disciplines. No, we're, we're, we're fine in that area. We're just disciplined in the wrong things. We're just dedicated in the wrong thing. You see, I'll give us an example. I think work is a really good example. Now, you need to understand, I think that work is a gift from God. I think that we need to work. We're instructed to work. And work is good. The issue is, we often make work God. And if work is God, then work will cease to be good no matter how good your job is. And so, I think maybe there's been someone saying, God, just give me a new job, right? And maybe, maybe it's 
not that you don't love it. It's just like, I need, I need something new, God. There's no, there's no purpose here for me. I can't find my, my worth here in this. God, take it away. But I wonder how it could change if instead we said, God, I'm going to give it to you instead. God, I'm going to give this job to you. Every day when I go in, I'm yours. I'm an instrument of righteousness. And so now Susie, who kind of annoyed me on Friday, she's my life mission on Monday. And maybe God has me here for a reason and for this season and it's to make an eternal difference in someone's life. But it starts by believing that where I go, I am an instrument of righteousness. Because here's the truth. If I'm not sowing in life, it means I'm sowing in death. And if you are not bringing life to your workplace, you better believe your coworkers know it. And they experience it. But I think that when we go to those places and we believe that it is a holy place, it is holy work, God will do something with it. But that's a discipline. That's a discipline to wake up every single day and say, God, I'm giving it to you. I'm giving it to you. Now, I know there's someone smart here. St. Harrison, I work alone in my basement online, no coworkers. How do I make my job holy? Here's an even better discipline, more tangible. There's a thing called tithe. And what a tithe is, it's the practice of giving the first 10% of our income to the Lord. So you make $1,000, you give 100 to the Lord. That's a tithe. It's a biblical principle. And I think the beautiful thing about this biblical principle is that suddenly, listen to this, no matter what you do, if you tithe, what you do is holy. Why? Because I'm working today and I'm building God's church. I might not see a soul today, but I'm building the kingdom of heaven. I may just be clicking buttons today, but I'm going to give to the Lord. And so when we go downtown and we feed the homeless, I know that they did that because I was able to sacrifice and give something from my job that I once considered irrelevant, not where I'm supposed to be not enough. But when I give it to God, I don't ask God to take it. I give it to him. Suddenly, anything can be holy. You guys following? That's a habit, right? We we need disciplines. You can say, we can say till I'm blue in the face, God, help me to overcome greed. God, take greed away from my life. I don't want it in my heart. Here is the truth. If you do not give, you will be greedy. There's no two two ways about it. I cannot pray greed away. You guys hear that? I don't, I don't pray it away. Instead, I actively be generous. Because the more I am generous, the more I will begin to see the grip of greed lose its stronghold on my life. That's, it's a discipline. Can I, can I give us two more daily disciplines that can help us? And this is especially helpful when it comes to school, to work, just in terms of my attitude, my mindset. But daily, I need to be in the word. Bible study and prayer. Bible study and prayer. Now, you can read the Bible whenever you want. Get into it. That's all we, in growth track, we say just get into it, right? The, the worst thing you can do is stay out of it. Best thing you can do is get into it. But I always encourage people, I think the best time to do it is in the morning, to, to just get into the word, to pray. And for some of us, the discipline means I wake up a little bit earlier 
But truth be told, I need to get into the word. I need to get the Holy Spirit into my heart in order to get through my day sometimes. Because sometimes I'm going to see someone and I don't really like that person in the flesh. And so if I haven't spent time feeding my spirit, my mouth's going to speak what my heart is full of. But when I wake up every day, those two disciplines, Bible study and prayer, two things that seem so small, it can change the direction of my life. Listen, prayer. I'm not against counseling. I think counseling is good if you have someone to talk to. But the Holy Spirit is the absolute best counselor there is. The Holy Spirit has this way of getting to the deep parts of our life and bringing it to the surface. That's why I gave us Holy Spirit homework, right? And so every single day, having that time where I'm just saying, God, fill me with your spirit. I heard this pastor say something. I thought it was so interesting, but true. He said, I hear people say all the time, all you need is Jesus. All you need is Jesus. He said, listen, we're Trinitarian. We don't just believe in Jesus. We believe in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so Holy Spirit, his main, one of his functions, but a really big one, is to help us in prayer. Right? And in the morning, as we, as we get into the word, Holy Spirit, be with us. God, help me to see something today that is going to help me as I go along in my day. It's a discipline, but it's something that can begin to change our hearts. One of the things we say in Growth Track, we say, if there is an enemy, and we believe there is, and if there is power in the word of God, don't you suppose that the enemy would do everything in his power to keep you out of the word of God? Answer, yes. And so if I know that there is a battle going on, not just with my flesh, because my flesh wants to sleep, my flesh wants to scroll, my flesh wants to know exactly how much time I can possibly sleep, get in the shower, and get to work. That's what my flesh wants to know. But on top of that, there's an enemy that's doing everything in his power to keep you out of the word, to keep you out of prayer. I say, I can't afford not to do these disciplines. But don't miss the word. It's, it's a discipline. And there's no two ways about it. I can't, I can't just, it's not going to happen by accident. I have to be committed. So pretty simple action steps. Pick a time, pick a place, commit. That's it. Pick a time, pick a place, commit. If you're addicted to caffeine, habit stack a little bit. Have a cup of coffee <laughs> as you read. And you can hit two pleasure sensors at once. <laughs> pick a time, pick a place, commit. And watch what the Lord will do. Can I give us one more discipline? Right? Because we're giving it to God. That's, that's, that's the big overarching idea. But how do I give my whole life to him? It's discipline. So Bible study, prayer, tithing. Last one is this. Pretty simple, lowest hanging fruit, and really the simplest of them all. Come to church. Now, in this series, I'm going to preach a whole message on healthy church. But low hanging fruit, like super simple way to begin to feed my spirit, come to church. Now, you guys are at the 9.30, so you're probably more saved and redeemed than most. But I saw this little clip online. Uh, it said this. It said, regular church attenders. 30% of people would classify themselves as regular church attenders. And a regular church attender 
is someone that comes to church once or twice a month. That's a regular church attender. Um, I was thinking about that, and I was like, well, I guess that means I'm a regular gym attender if those are the stats we're going by. (laughs) Regular church attender one to twice a month. Now, the American Dental Association has uh, put out just some (laughs) guidelines for us on brushing our teeth. How many of you guys brush your teeth here? I hope so. But the Dental Association recommends that we brush our teeth twice a day for two minutes. So, doing a little math here. If you go to church once to twice a month, and let's say the preacher keeps us on time. Service is about an hour. I got four minutes to get there. If church is an hour and I come for one to two times a month, month, let's say twice, that means on average I'll be in church for 24 hours a year. Now, if I brush my teeth two minutes a day, twice a day, 365, you want to know how much you brush your teeth in a year? 24 hours. Now, I'm not saying brushing teeth is wrong. Y'all brush those teeth, you nasties. Um, (laughs) But a lot of us, our commitment to church is slightly above our commitment to brushing our teeth, if not below. And where I'm going when it comes to this discipline of coming to church and our spirits and our flesh, if I can't commit to something for one hour a week, how can I expect my flesh not to take over? Now, don't take it as judgment, please, because I understand we all have life and things go on. The question more is what am I giving myself to? And whether you know this or not, especially if you're a parent, we have a calling on our life to lead. And your kids, our kids, they see what we do when words aren't even spoken. Your kids know what is important in your life. They know what you are committed to. I was thinking this week, my family's not perfect. However, I was thinking back at my childhood and I remember a time that we didn't go to church. And my cousins and I, we put on some weird church program. And I was thinking to myself, like, why do I remember the one time we didn't go to church? Then I began to think, and I was like, I think that might have been the only time we didn't go to church. Listen, in my family, we went to church every single weekend. Come hell or high water, we were going to church. Again, I said that's the lowest hanging fruit. But one thing that we knew subconsciously in our household is that church is important. There's no conversation. All right, family, here's our values. Church is important. No, it was by our behavior, what we did, sowing seeds. And so listen, parents, in this place, you have a calling on your life to lead. Can I tell you, when you get into the word every single morning, when you pray every single morning, your kids see They know what you're doing. They know what you're sowing into. And in the same way, not judgmentally, but if you're sowing into the flesh, your kids see it as well. So what am I feeding? Proverbs 22, verse 6. I don't have it on the screen, but it says, direct a child on the right path, and when they get older, they will not leave. So our job as parents is to direct. Is to direct. Is to to make sure. Is my life living in a way where they see what's important? Now, I know for some of us, it's like, well, Harrison, like, I've, I've done my very best, and like, 
My kids aren't where I want them to be. I just have this belief. This is Galatians chapter 6. And Kim, you can come up because we're, we're going to close. It says, do not be deceived. God can't be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Right? If I'm, if I'm, if I'm sowing into the flesh, it's going to be made known. But if I'm sowing to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. I need us to see this part, especially for someone, and I feel like for a parent especially, if you feel like your kids aren't where you want them to be, it says, let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we'll reap a harvest if we do not give up. Don't give up. Listen, there's this way sometimes, and it's not meant to be a parenting message, but here we are, where we, where we bend to the kids sometimes. And it's like, well, they don't care. They've given up. They're living their own life. They're adults now, whatever it may be. But as a parent, your calling never ends. And the Bible is clear. When we, when we sow in the spirit, we're going to reap something. So I want to say to someone today, don't give up. Listen, maybe you're not a parent. Maybe you're in the midst of a battle. You're in the midst of an addiction. I want to encourage you, don't give up. It's not the end. It's not easy. It's not always going to be a one-day thing, but do not give up. The absolute worst thing you can do is give up. Someone needs to hear that today. If you just started reading your Bible and you don't feel like you're seeing results, listen to me. Do not give up. It's not the end. You've been praying like, Harrison, I don't feel like I hear anything. Nothing's happening. Do not give up. Why? Because when we do what God calls us to, he will do what we can't do. Come on, somebody. When we do what God calls us to do, he will do what we can't do. That thing you've been praying for, that thing you've been fasting for, that thing you've been believing for, stay faithful. You're hoping for a miracle, stay faithful. Stay faithful. Breakthrough, come on, somebody, is on the other side of discipline. It's on the other side of not giving up. And so, as we take these two messages together, as we got down to the foundation, as we begin to build up these disciplines, as we give it to God, that picture that we have at the very end of it is wholeness and it's healing. And so we just can't give up. We just can't give up. We give it to God. I'm not asking God to take it. I'm just saying, God, it's yours. That situation is yours. That, that anxiety, God, I'm, I'm giving it to you. Don't take my anxiety. Here it is. It's yours. And I'm just believing when we do what God calls us to do, he will do what we can't do. Can we stand for a second, church? I would love to pray for us. Every head bowed, every eye closed. And this is just an appeal. If you're in this place today, you're saying, Harrison, and maybe it started last week, it's just continuing today, but you're saying, Harrison, I just want, I want to give it to God. I want to give him my life. I want to give him my wins, my sins. I just want him to have it. If that's you, and maybe you've been struggling to do it, maybe it's the first time, but if you want to give it to Jesus right now, I just want to encourage you. Can you just raise your hand? I would love to pray for you. Thank you. Thank you. <clears throat> Lord, God, you know 
what it is that we're holding on to. God, that thing we've been struggling with, maybe it's bitterness, resentment, hurt. God, in this moment, we just give it to you. We release it to you, Jesus. And we just believe that you're gonna do what we can't do on our own. So God, I just pray for soft hearts. God, I pray for a melting away of the things that have been holding us back from freedom. God, the lies that we've been believing, God, I pray that we demolish them with strong, demolish those strongholds, God. And I just pray, I pray that we replace them with the truth. So God, we thank you for your goodness and for your grace. We love you, Lord. We pray in your mighty and holy name. Amen. 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 Come on, can we clap our hands? Hey, thank you so much for taking the time to listen to that message. If you made a decision to follow Jesus or you want more information about our church, head over to kingdomchurch.ca. We would love to get in contact with you. Until next time, take care.